This meeting is being recorded. Whoa, that's the first time I heard that. Right, yelling at me. Yeah. All right, Karen, stop yelling. We're recording. Uh, what's up? Not much. We actually got logged on in a relatively decent time frame. So, yes. Last time, 40 minutes of our hour was spent just trying to get us logged in. <laughs> Yeah, you think that we're we're not Generation Z or whatever. Um, anyways, I got a couple of questions that we can go over today. And then also you might have questions. Um, yeah, I'll check and see if, which, if we got any good ones. If they're stupid, I'm not going to waste our time. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, I know that we, we kind of wanted to continue about like nutrition um, of how we ended the last one. So yep. the, the topic that someone proposed to me as far as like their question was um, how do they effectively create a meal plan um, at the grocery store, right? So it's funny that you sent me that, the text about your services that you're offering now. And, yeah. um, and you can go over that too. But uh, this person was someone who's busy and they they make a lot of excuses and uh, they do have a family, so that it is a parent. And they typically only want to shop at one place and they find that the food selection is a little bit more expensive. So like, let's say if you try to buy like condiments from Whole Foods or Sprouts, they're a little bit more expensive than if you were to go to Walmart. And so um, it's uh, everyone has like their own ways of how they shop and how they save money because we all should be on a budget, right? So, um, so that's kind of the, the topic that was given to me. And I feel like a lot of people, they're like, oh, I just want to use Uber Eats or I want to use Instacart and they don't mind paying the extra money. But like those same people also complain about not having money or stressing out about money. And then it's messing up their uh, their diet or their fitness. Work. Yeah, one thing I actually want to address real quick before we get into it, just because basically you made the analogy of the budget. I... I'm getting more and more annoyed by people that are like uh, anti-food shame. Like uh, people should be able to eat their face off, eat a five gallon bucket of ice cream, burgers and fries for f whatever they're calling it. Like food relationship with food. I'm like, yep. this, yeah, you could have, if you wanted to portion out and track part of your macros to have a half of a burger, it absolutely can be done. But be like, oh, you can eat pizza, burgers, and wings, and this just means you have a good relationship with food. I'm like, how? Like, this is there is that is not in line with any of the goals you said you had, not one. And then making it like food positivity, all this stuff. I'm like, when you compare it to a budget, there, the perfect example is like people spending money they don't have based on their body, their muscle mass, their hormonal situation. There is a set amount of calories their body is going to require to maintain weight. So if they want to stay at the same weight or lose weight, 
That is their constraint. That is their budget. Just because it's a good relationship with food, just because someone wants Gucci belts, doesn't mean it's in their budget. Like, God, coming from someone that was so overweight, this annoys me beyond belief because it's just like, justify all these poor food decisions, justify not having any idea the amount of calories you're putting in your body, yet expecting there to be any type of results or like saying you want to get a certain result and then doing these actions that are not in line with it. Just like if you had a budget, you can't every month or every day go and way below your budget, spending money over what you have allotted and expect you to not be homeless. I don't get it. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> I think a lot of people, they try to defend that with uh, if it fits your macros. So the people like, again, Lane Norton, Lane Norton kind of does it um, as far as like putting in pop tarts and things like that into his diet because the calorie, when you come in from one aspect, it's going to be a calorie to a certain degree for the average American and, and for weight loss, but not for body composition. So yeah. I don't mind if they actually track and fit something like that in. They're like, not even be like, don't associate calories with food. Like eat the entire burger. Like I said, if you wanted to fit like a half of a burger into your meal plan and you knew what was actually in there. If you want to do that every once in a while, I think there's better uses of your calories. I'm yeah. fine with that. But people trying to literally cover their eyes and pretend these foods don't have calories is yeah. what I'm referring to. Yeah. And so, um, so like where I was going with that was um, it's, it's like whenever people start doing this, when they start adding these things in to their diet to fit their budget of calories, it might actually make them have like a binge of spending. So it's like, if you go to like the mall and you're like, oh, I'm going to window shop, but then you buy one little thing. And then all of a sudden you just get on this splurge of spending, right? Because it's a dopamine fix. So kind of the same thing. Like you have to know yourself. Like for me personally, I'll use the mall analogy. I like going to the mall and I like people watching and I don't mind going to the mall and not buying anything or going to the mall and, you know, again, just hanging out with someone else who's buying stuff for them. And I try to find stuff for them. So I know myself. And so same thing, like with my calories and my food. So like, if I have something that's sweeter and, um, and I haven't hit my other macros or my, my fats, my carbs, my protein for the day, and also in the entire week, like I might end up Splurging, and I might overspend my calories, and then it'll leave me stressed out because it's kind of like our bodies don't have. Okay, let me take that back. Actually, our bodies have a credit card system, right? It's called fat cell, and so we put all this debt, all these calories into fat cells, and then we're like, oh, I can like work it off later because I'm going to go, and after I eat this pizza, or I'm going to eat this pizza because I just did an hour on the Stairmaster. And so I, I earned this. I burnt all these calories or I have, I have all this extra to spend. And so you think that uh, you, can, you can use your fat cells as like a, uh, again, like a kind of like a loan. And it doesn't work that way um, for, for, your, for the average American or for just for people in general. Like physi- physiologically, it just doesn't work like that. 
And, and I think that that is a cascade of, of bad decisions uh, that the majority of people find themselves in because everything's at your fingertips, man. And it's just like, you can get everything that you want. You, and like, yeah, like it, it is a very big problem. And that does bother me. That one specifically bothers me. Um, whenever people say, oh, I, I, I like, I've done good with my diet for Monday through Friday or Monday through Saturday, but then Sunday, they just like go above and beyond. And then that kind of leads them to be either over calories that week, or they end up just destroying their digestive system. So the next following days, my athletes can't eat enough protein or carbohydrates to fuel their workouts for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and they finally get an appetite going, coming back. So, yeah, absolutely. And so many people along that same line, they're like, oh, I earned this. And they go off with some wearable like, oh, I burnt a thousand calories. <laughs> and realistically, they probably burnt four to 500 calories. And then they go because they earned it. They go back and eat that amount of extra calories. And then they're wondering why they're gaining weight. And it's not because you're breaking the laws of thermodynamics. It's not because X, Y, and Z excuse. It's because that wearable, whatever Fitbit, Apple Watch, whatever you're tracking the calories are on, are generally pretty far off of what you actually burn. But I see that a lot with people trying to eat back calories. Yeah. Um. Yeah, um, a lot of people, they, they also complain about sticking to a diet or sticking to these calorie um, needs. Uh, they complain about the monotony of food. And it's funny, I, you know, being a part of like a Discord group and being on social media, you do see the foods that people post. And it's legitly the same, like the successful people eat the same things generally. Um, who was that Warren Buffett? He had like the same meal every, every breakfast. So he didn't have to make a decision. And so our like meal prep or just eating healthy doesn't suck. Um, I don't, I really don't know where that came from. Like, was that really kind of coming from bodybuilding magazines where it, it, they were like, oh, white rice, boiled chicken, no salt. You know, they're taking the contest prep diet and they were like, oh, this is my everyday diet to, to build muscle, which that's totally not the case. Um, it, so, I mean, I think uh, uh, on the Discord, like right now, like this one guy, he's very active on far showing his, uh, his meals. And it is like, um, he just posted one of like tortilla with, and he had a, uh, Potted cheese, vegetables, ground beef, mustard, and then a glass of milk. Kind of weird <laughs> mix, but he's from uh, the UK, but um, or Denmark. So uh, I just think that's funny. But uh, yeah, it's definitely not boring. But I also find that people we eat a lot of the same foods. So like this one person just posted up the sweet. The um, G. Hughes sweet and sour sauce, but the sweet chili sauce is where it's at, and they're gonna, you know, put it in like the dog or the um, the ground beef 
uh, in the skillet. So it's going to get nice and like crispy and stuff. And so again, it's going to be like a sugar-free, it's going to be, it's going to be, um, low in calories, get enough protein in, get your fats in, but it also tastes so good. Um, and I wouldn't be worried about the quote unquote chemicals in it. Um, no, the big thing I've seen is people that are too lazy to, to prepare food in a ways that they'll enjoy it. Like yep. the biggest thing is like, we have so many good options now for ways to season it, ways to cook it. Like you can air fry your potatoes. You can eat fries every single day without an issue. It's just taking the time to prepare it in ways that you enjoy. Yeah. But I feel like that's a big thing of what I focus on with my clients too. Like you should not hate your food. I enjoy yeah, I mean, every how, meal. How long does it actually take to like cook, cook a meal? You know what I mean? Not very long. Like I make my first meal, my last meal fresh every day. It's generally start cooking to completely done sitting down to eat it. 15, maybe 20, depending on what I'm cooking. If yeah. I had to cook like a new pot of rice or something. Yeah. Um, there is that, you know, the mental aspect of, I think people like having the meals prepped for them or cooked for them rather than them cooking them themselves. And they think that it psychologically has some better taste to it. Um, I know like some podcasts have talked about that as well. And uh, cause you're always like paranoid that there's something else in it because it does taste different. But I think that's just because being served and being helped is so so relaxing and it reduces stress. It's kind of like, you know, someone's there caring for you. So I don't think people have to go out and get uh, fast food for that. But I, I don't, I don't mind clients if they have the, the financial means to, to like go to Sprouts or somewhere where they're not going to use, you know, they still use canola oil to cook their stuff in. That's, that's like already cooked, but, uh, but it's not going to be like, really bad food choices um it's something that we can work with but you still get kind of get that pleasure from some, someone else cooking it um so yeah yeah for sure and there's so many good services now for like food prep so like i have a few clients that are extreme like actually busy a lot of people think they're busy they just prioritize things that aren't they shouldn't necessarily be priorities but they make, they build it up in their mind to be a priority that they can't adjust. But like, there's some clients that are like run businesses, have multiple kids, people get sick. Like they legitimately get busy. Nowadays, there's so many options. Like say if you had a lean protein source on your meal plan and for whatever reason, you couldn't get chicken grilled. You could literally go to public sprouts, wherever you get your seafood, have them grab the shrimp, weigh it out, steam it, and season it for you. You can leave the grocery store with three, five days worth of already prepared, cooked, seasoned shrimp that you just divvy up into your meals. Takes no extra time. Yeah, and you told me that too. So, like, like so for people who have Publix, when you go and you buy like scallops or shrimp or whatever, and you you can ask them like, hey, like I put in old bay spice in there and no butter or whatever and they'll do it um yep. which is really really cool it's really convenient and then 
again, kind of grabbing that and then like a little bag of like microwavable vegetables if you need a low carb or grab fruit. I mean, a pouch of microwavable rice. I mean, there's so many cool options now. I mean, freak, man, if you even want to, if you just want to do all liquid meal, I mean, go grab some Fairlife chocolate milk. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like yeah. perfect. So you get like 60, 60 grams of protein, you get like 80 grams of carbs, and you get like 20 or you know, 25 grams of, of fat. So it's like, you know, you sit there and just drink that thing in the entire like hour. But um, yeah. there's so many options. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the, the, so like the, the tip that I typically have people do, and I do myself when I go grocery shopping, is that I have places that I go to for specific items. So mm -hmm. I know for a fact that I'm going to buy my meat from, uh, from Sam's Club. So I have a membership there. I think if people don't have memberships, like a Costco, Sam's Club, BJ's, it's going to be worth your, your dollar spent. But they also provide you with like organic or grass fed or free range meats and stuff like that. And, or you can even request um, at your local farm, which we're actually looking into to like buy a half a cow and um, doing it that way. And, um, but I'll, I'll go to Sam's Club and I'll grab all that, right? And I'll grab like whatever else we might need as far as like frozen um, vegetables, or not frozen vegetables there, but frozen fruits. Because again, when you freeze fruits, and vegetables, they typically hold their antioxidants and vitamins a little bit better than fresh. But I mean, that's kind of the route that we go with that. But then all my condiments, I just go to Walmart. So I go to the Walmart marketplace, so cheap. And then if I need to, I can go to Publix for these specific items that are, I like legitly try to find BOGO items only. And also like chocolate milk. My kids drink that A A2 chocolate milk, the Hershey's chocolate one and yeah. uh public is the only place that sells it so uh walmart that uh, we live next to doesn't have one so i mean it and like you're not spending tons of time in there right because again we're kind of eating the same foods um as far as in the house if i'm legitly craving something else it's it might be something that i can't prepare myself so like sushi like i can't really prepare that i can go without it but if I like legitimately want something like then I'll like, again, kind of go and treat myself because I have that budget because I've, I've been doing well on my diet for, for three weeks or four weeks, not five days. <laughs> so like we need to get past this, like, Oh, I was good Monday through Saturday and I can cheat on Sunday. That just doesn't work out. That's you're, you're not going to save any money. You're not going to save any calories. You're not going to, look better, feel better. So, and I don't know why you're rewarding yourself for such a small amount of time being um, adherent to a diet. Yeah, especially it's when most people do that cheat day or whatever, it's not one meal that is, they <laughs> 800, whatever, 500, 800 extra calories compared to their weight loss plan. These days are like, Go out for a crazy breakfast, 1,500 calories. Eat a burger at lunch. Do pizza for dinner. And an easy example is I talk to people, one pound of fat is approximately 3,500 calories. So if over the week you've been in a 500-calorie deficit for seven days, that would equal one pound of weight loss. 
if you came back in and on Sunday, you ate back 2,500 of those calories and you wonder why you barely lost any weight over the next week or when you average it out, it's because you eliminate most of your deficit in that the one day or the one meal that won't affect anything. Yeah. People always like this. Oh, one meal won't affect anything. I'm like, if you eat 4,000 calories in that one meal, it will affect something. Like, yeah. Um, so like even, um, on, on those menus at restaurants where it's like the calorie counts, I know a lot of people have used those, but I forgot where I saw it, but they like, they have definitively said they are wrong and they are under what they are again. Cause no chef is, is back there measuring out a tablespoon of olive oil to cook your stuff in. They're just spraying it on there and then going globbing butter on there and going. Um, same thing like with portions. They really don't know. I mean, they have a good idea. I, I would assume some, some higher end chef, but the average person doesn't really know. And, uh, and you can even, you know, quiz them on it. Right. So it's like, you, you know, an average piece of, uh, protein is usually like the size of a deck of cards, like the same thickness and such. So, um, but the, like even if you google search right so like it'll show you like how many calories uh is at the average restaurant and it shows you know 1800 to 2000 calories um but it can go up to 3000 calories right so it's like and we know for a fact like cheesecake factory i mean i love that place but for sure like you freaking get a salad man and it's like 2000 calories more than that and then the majority is from fat and you really don't need that much fat. But, I mean, you will see on here, there's like, they're very, very lenient on the law of uh, of those fast, or they have fast food calorie counters or restaurant calorie counters. I mean, it's not advantageous for for a restaurant or for, for consumer spending to be like, oh, hey, like don't go out to eat to this restaurant because it's like way more calories or if they actually are honest, they will give you less of a portion than what you actually want. I mean, you go to the UK, all the UK listeners, you know that when you come to America, you're like, dude, everything's freaking huge. And like, it doesn't have to be just in the state of Texas. It's like everywhere in America. Like our large is, it, or our small is the large in the UK for like French fries, right? Like it's, it's freaking crazy, man. Yeah, and basically, if I, someone's going out to eat and they're going to try to incorporate, like count it, track it, I basically always tell them to track less protein and more fat because they're almost always added oils, butters. Like my client, Maddie, she went to culinary school for fun and she yeah. did internships and like different things in different restaurants. They add extra butter, fat, oils to everything to make it taste good. So even if like the food on the, like, oh, I got, broccoli and chicken but the chicken has oil doused on it before it even like even grilled chicken breast most <laughs> restaurants will put like an oil on the outside to keep it juicy and so even your grilled chicken breast a lot of times has added fats to it and then they'll be like oh broccoli and then you it comes out in just a, a bowl of butter like there's a lot of things that add up very quickly 
Yeah. And you don't recognize it too. Like when you're full, you don't register. That's like one thing that I try to like make sure that everyone does like when they are eating out. I know this is what I do because at home, I usually just shovel it in and I'm good to go, right? Because I know what I'm eating. I know the calories and I know that I've already missed however many meals the other day. So I need to like hurry up and get them in. But whenever I go out to eat, I typically will like cut my food, take a bite to set my silverware down and that, and also engage in conversation with whoever I'm there with. And then so it's like, you can trick your brain uh, to be able to register when it's full, when it's not full, just by slowing down eating and also chewing a lot. Um, since that's where your first part of digestion actually begins is in chewing. So, um, yeah. How do your hunger is a delayed response. So yeah. when people are like, eat super quick, you tend to eat way more calories because there's a lag between when you put food in and when your body starts registering that and down-regulating appetite or giving you signals of being full. So definitely slowing down food, how fast you eat it. That's why in contest preps, you'll see a lot of bodybuilders and stuff start using very small utensils. Like, yeah. There's been so many preps where I eat my oatmeal with a baby spoon. <laughs> yeah, man. See, that's the perks of having kids is that that's what I do is I'll eat my, <laughs> I still do it. I'm not even impressed, but like, it just makes it last longer. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, man, it's, uh, I don't know. It is, it is what it is. <clears throat> um, yeah. Okay. Oh, so that was a um, very common rant. I think that everyone might have who is part of this uh, coaching or fitness industry. Um, so got some questions. <clears throat> um, so since we talked about um, weight loss, uh, they asked about cardio versus cardio and weight or just weight. Like what's the best for fat loss? If someone was only going to have time to do one thing, I'd absolutely prioritize weight training. The, especially in the calorie deficit, you want to maintain as much lean muscle mass as possible. That's going to, the more lean muscle mass you have, it's going to support your body requiring more calories, basically burning more calories. So if we're trying to get in and stay in a calorie deficit, if we can keep our body burning more at rest, that gives us more to pull from to be in a calorie deficit. But if we're just doing cardio and we're down-regulating all of our systems for how much energy our body requires, it's going to really sink down to eating seven, eight, nine hundred calories a day and wonder why you're not using, losing weight. Like there is relatively light men and women, but specifically women. If you have a woman that's 120 pounds, 125, 130 pounds, and they're trying to compare themselves to, oh, why can't I eat? 2300 calories and maintain my body weight because you are a tiny human tiny humans require less calories yep. yeah this is man. another video i want to make a rant on because people are people are trying to eliminate genetics and like size like people have different caloric needs like these people be eating a plan and maybe they're making this calories based on their muscle mass activity level Maybe a, the, a woman doesn't get to eat 
twenty or 2,000, 2,300 calories and pay, maintain their weight. If they're smaller structures, not as active, have less lean muscle mass, if you are 125, 130 pounds and the average estimate for a uh, basically maintenance calories, generic formulas, 12 to four, 15 times your body weight, even at the high end, you're not going to get to 2,000 calories if you're 120 pound female, like 10 times is going to be 100 or 1,200 calories. So like, and it's just people try to neglect this and they compare themselves to people that have different genetic predispositions. Like, yeah. Some people burn more calories. People are more active. People have different hormonal balances. People have more or less lean muscle mass. And people, especially nowadays, like if someone's eating 1,500 calories as a small female, they're like, oh, my coach is starving me. I should be able to eat, eat all these other things. I see this person on Instagram, they eat all this stuff, and they keep losing weight. It's like there's genetic differences between all of us. Genetic and don't believe everything that you see on the internet. For some reason, it is very popular for people to claim that they eat more than what they actually do, which I really don't understand. Um, it, it, it just baffles me. But um, the uh, so when you're setting up clients' meal plans or calorie needs, do you typically, when you first work with them, you kind of get an idea of like what they're eating because we, uh, I'm assuming you're kind of like me, you're like, hey, like track what you're eating like for an entire week. So I can kind of get an idea of like how you eat, when you eat, what you eat, what you choose, you know, what foods you like, what foods you don't. Do you typically try to put the calories on the higher end rather than lower so that if they don't lose weight, then you can slowly lower it versus you start them off like, Again, like if someone was eating, you know, 2,300 calories, but then you, you know, you, you try to just keep it around that same calorie, but you manipulate the, the macros, um, or do you like drop it so low to like, let's say 1700 calories, they'll lose body weight. Um, but they'll also become weaker or they won't be able to recover from their workouts or have good performance. So what do you do? This is different based on the person yeah. because their psychology, if they trust, if they came to me as a referral from four of their friends that all got great results, perfect world. I want to start them as on as high as food as I can and give it two weeks to truly identify their maintenance calories. So I'll have them weighing in every morning and we'll go two weeks and we'll be comparing averages. And then I will start them on, whatever, 13 to 15 times their body weight, if they're relatively a lean, like not lean, but like not needing to lose like 20% of their body weight or more. I'll try yeah. to start them on as high as calories as would make sense from basic calculations. And then from there, we'll morning weight every single day, average it out for the week, and we compare average weights for two weeks. And say they maintained weight, I'm going to – base that as their maintenance calories for now. And then I'll adjust based on if they're trying to lose weight or gain weight. And then we'll do the same thing. If they gained whatever, one pound, two pounds, I know over that time period, they were eating a, approximately this many more calories than what they needed. And then we can start pulling back. But the big caveat is 
a lot of people aren't mentally there. So they'll just absolutely trust the process. So if it's someone new, like it wasn't a referral, they found me randomly. It was not a referral. They don't know anyone that's previously had success with me. Generally, I will start them on a little more aggressive fat loss phase. So the first two, three weeks, I will be hammering them probably higher protein than they were eating and probably a little lower calories. And the higher protein might still cause a recomping effect because people under eat protein so much. But the goal will be get meaningful weight loss so they're bought in. They need to be bought in. If I get weight loss, now they're bought in, now they trust me. Now I can basically go back to where I would have started with somebody if they already trusted me. And I'll bring their food back up and big picture, long game, make the best decisions for that. But in the beginning, to get people to actually stick and believe it's going to work, uh, I feel like a lot of people psychologically can't handle going straight into the long-term vision. So yeah. that's what – if I'm hammering someone low on calories, it's I, – I don't want it to sound bad. I don't think they're mentally prepared or bought in enough to just trust the process from the beginning. Yeah. Um, and that's for fat loss clients. Yeah. So cause it's totally different when someone comes in and like, Hey, I want to increase my muscle mass or my performance in the gym. The last thing we want to do is have less calories. We just want to manipulate the carbs, the fats, the protein. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, there's a myth out there that people with really good metabolism are very like, like they don't, they don't, gain weight now good versus fast versus slow versus efficient i think it's all different um and what i mean by that is like you know obese people actually have a pretty fast metabolism when we're talking about how much they eat and how little they move but um but they also have a very efficient like their bodies will eat up all the calories and so like we see this in some bodybuilders or fitness competitors where they can actually eat less, but look fuller. I think Rami, big Rami is, a, is one of those people. I think he doesn't eat that much calories, right? Um, if I'm not mistaken, but you Hassan have other people. Huh? Is Hassan is notorious for that. The other uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Yeah, so like Chris Aceva was working with him. Yeah, and he was like at 2,000 calories or whatever. But like same thing like Chris Bump said, right? Like whenever he cuts, cuts, he's like 1,800 calories sometimes. But that's because like a medical problem probably has to deal with that. But there are people that are like, you know, they they don't really absorb a lot of nutrition. So they need to have more substance so that we can have a little bit more to, to pull from. Um, and so like sometimes that will that'll be the reason why someone eats so much food, but yet they lose weight. It's because they have a very fast gastric emptying. They don't absorb things too well. And it's not so efficient even though all the other markers might be like good, right? So like your T3 is going to be great, your whatever, right? But something just isn't efficient as far as enzymes. I can still hear you. Just continue. I'm going to grab one thing real quick. Yeah. But um, but that's like a big misconception with a lot of people. And they're like, oh, well, if I'm not losing weight, then I don't have a fast metabolism. Or in order to lose weight, I need to have a faster metabolism. So they typically will either eat less, which they think it's quickening their metabolism, or they search for a supplement 
to boost their metabolism, which is they think maybe thyroid, but really they need to move more and build more lean muscle, build more tissue. And that's how these people, like TJ was saying, like can get away with eating more calories is because muscle is a very expensive tissue and it needs more calories. That's kind of like you have a Ferrari as your car. It's going to be expensive to maintain that Ferrari to be at its peak performance. And so you're going to have to put more money into it. But if you want to be, uh, if you want to be a, a Hyundai Accent, then go ahead. Like you don't need that much money in the Hyundai Accent to get you from point A to point B. But do you really want your body to be uh, a vessel to do, to do thing A and thing B and then go to bed? Is there really any enjoyment in life? Now, I'm not a car guy, but there is something enjoyable about driving a very fast car. There's something enjoyable about having, you know, a, like a, a, a truck that can go off road and you can have fun. in. there's something about being very versatile and very agile rather than just a commuting car. And so our, I kind of look at the, the body is kind of the same way. And I think if people put that into perspective of the materialistic things that they enjoy and then their body, they might have a little bit better success. Uh, but they they think that it's just either like you were saying from the beginning, genetics is a huge thing. They think that, oh, genetics rules everything. I'm just meant to be fat. I'm meant to have diabetes. I'm meant to have cardiovascular disease. I'm meant to have all these things. Okay, there's when it comes to, to weight loss and diabetes, type 2 diabetes, that is your lifestyle choice, like unfortunately. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we, we want to make sure that we have enough lean muscle mass. Now, coming back to the question, cardio or weights or cardio and weight, I'm a big believer in cardio and weight. Um, as far as like when you do your cardio, it's kind of up to you, but weights as the main primary mover to building a strong physique and increasing your caloric need which means you can have more foods into your diet, which you won't feel so deprived. Um, and then using cardio as a way to keep your health um, because you're going to have more muscle mass, which requires more blood. You need to be a little bit more efficient at like how your vascular system works. But then also you're going to come to a point where like, it doesn't, you still need to eat food. And there becomes a point where your body is really good at, sending out leptin and leptin will be like, Hey, I'm, I really don't need to eat, but, um, we need to eat calories to maintain or build muscle or just to get toned. So you women that want to get toned. So we need to increase appetite. And I think my personal opinion anecdotally cardio seems to help stoke some fire with my appetite. Oh, for sure. And that's why like, I pretty much make every client stack their or track their steps because like the baseline of activity or like three times a week, spend 20 minutes with your heart rate over X. Like those things do play a meaningful impact on not only the calories they burn, but their hunger, regulating hunger signaling, being able to get their food in, especially if food is higher. It becomes yeah. a, a chore. So, making sure there's enough activity to feel that just like when they talk about a five to 10 minute walk after a meal is more effective at lowering blood glucose than metformin, which is the 
type, like literally one of the main prescriptions given out to regulate type two diabetes. Like movement is so, so valuable. Yeah. And, um, Part of that, I, I don't remember the enzyme, but it's like when you sit, sit past a certain amount of time without really moving, your body does release an enzyme that says, hey, like it it kind of stores fat a little bit more effectively. <laughs> and um, we kind of get like those, those couch bottoms or, you know, flat butts. And, and typically, it, it, you know, it is like a process of where some fat's being stored because you're sitting there and it seems like it just kind of impacts that one area. It doesn't, if you're, it doesn't matter if you're male or female. It's kind of weird. Like, I really don't believe in that, like how you can't spot reduce. I don't think you can put fat on, like, in one area. But, like, for some reason, we're seeing more and more and more kind of the same body types. It's almost like we're mutating into, like, these specific types of, like, office people, um, which is really funny. And you're going to see articles come out about this because um, they, they, they do talk about these correlations, which doesn't always mean too much, but I, I think that there is something funny about that. But uh, yeah, the walking after the meal, um, I think it does enhance the amount of GLUT4 that your body releases uh, to help regulate blood sugar. And Stan Efferding is like really big into that. And I think everybody is now, I think John Jewett is, um, steps are at least in, in his protocol. I feel like everyone that's really on the evidence-based side of things, like taking the evidence that we have through relatively good research and extrapolating that out to more people, I feel like most of those do track some type of activity, steps or whatever the case may be. But yeah, when it comes, like obviously in a perfect world, you're going to weight train as the main priority and then utilize cardio for overall health and burning extra calories as you're trying to lose weight. Uh, but I'd see a lot of people that they're not losing weight on as many calories as they would expect to be able to lose weight on. And then they, they're like, Oh, my thyroid must be this, or my thyroid must be that. And they go get blood work and they're within a very normal <laughs> range. So like, yeah. no, it's just, you don't yet have enough muscle mass to support the amount of calories you believe you should be eating. Yeah. So I, I think, I feel like it's getting more and more that people believe they should be able to get shredded or get show ready eating way more calories because of what everyone's showing on social media right now with like food positivity and all this stuff. Like it's, yeah. It, we you have know, to go based on your body. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, if you're adherent to a diet, you're going to see what works and what doesn't. You're going to see if you're eating more calories than what you should, or, or if you're eating less calories, you need more to, to have more energy throughout the day. Um, Cause that's always like uh, the biggest worry that I have with clients is like, they don't feel like they have energy. And I don't like for that feedback from my clients. Like it's, it's something that I need to, to address, but like it, like it, it kind of hurts. I take it very personal because I'm like, ah, like, why don't you have like energy? Like you should. Um, but I, I think it's, it's part of it is that, it, you know, it's your body's reassessing to some food, to the new uh, metabolic changes. I think it does take a little bit of time to kind of readjust because whenever you work out, it does give you more energy. Like it's kind of weird, right? So it's like, you don't have energy, but you go into the gym and you come back out and you're refreshed. You have like a, this dopamine and norepinephrine response 
um, and you feel good. It's a mood booster. Um, but uh, but like when it when it comes to like people like like oh I should be like should be losing weight with the amount of food that I'm eating, or I should be able to eat more because I worked out you know three times a week. Well, now we can. First of all, I don't believe there's two things I want to say. <laughs> I don't believe in any nutrition labels that are on processed foods. I really don't. So if a if a serving of potato chips, if, if in a bag it says there's seven servings of potato chips and each serving is 10 grams of fat, I'm like almost convinced that there is seven servings, but it's going to be 20 grams of fat. I double a lot of this stuff or there's more servings in there at the same amount of, of fat. This piggybacks on our conversation in the last episode that we started touching on. And I think I sent you the link. They allow for massive variance in these processed foods. So whatever's on the label, like I I use two examples. They'll say like a tortilla or this is a serving size or like 12 chips is a serving size. But you put those 12 chips on a food scale and actually go based on weight, which is the only accurate way to do it. What they claim as a serving, like one tortilla, might be 10, 15, 20% more physical weight than the serving is tracking based on. And then allowing for the variance in how many calories are actually in that serving to begin with. Now you have two aspects. You might be eating more than what the serving size actually is. Like people, two tablespoons of peanut butter. If that's not weighed out, you are likely over-consuming what you're tracking as a serving of peanut butter. Then from there, now the peanut butter or whatever food it is might have up to 20% more calories in there than what's being tracked on the label. So this is why I, I this is why I limit a lot of processed foods. Like there's not a lot of my clients that do just purely macros, and because when people are doing that, they tend to opt for more processed options because they can fit it in their macros. But when we go more single ingredient whole food sources, that becomes a, a much more accurate way to track over time. Yeah, I uh, um, totally agree. And um, I also believe that yes, processed foods are hyper palatable, which means you will want to continue to eat more. And so you overly consume, but now you're overly consuming, plus you're eating more calories than what you think per serving. So even in the single serve, let's say, like I hate, hate with a passion, peanut butter. <laughs> I do not like it because it's so easily overconsumed, and um, And for other reasons, like I, whatever. But uh, even in the individual packets, I really like, there's more than what's in there. Same thing like with individual guacamole packets, there's more fat in there than what they claim. Like, there's just no way. And I have measured some out. And I try to get the ones without all the tomato and all those other things so I can have, like, a true weight. So besides that, so single-serve packets, I still think are off. So you can save yourself that way from over-consuming, but you're still going to – from over-consuming the amount, but you're still going to consume more calories than what's actually on those labels uh, for single serve ingredients or single serve foods. That's what I believe. 
Second, I believe that our so our body needs X amount of calories to break down a specific um, uh, uh, fat, carb, and protein. So we need however much energy to to expend. I think that the the oils that we use to make these processed foods makes it harder for our body to actually break it down, which means we need to expend more calories on top of what we consume. So instead of, let's say, this fat has nine calories, and so we needed to expend nine calories, let's say it had a, a negative or, or a, a, net, a net zero. Okay. I'm pretty sure that because of the hydrogenated oils, it might be nine calories for that fat, but we're going to have to expend 15 calories to break down that, that nine calories of fat. Like that's the way that I think, because these there's, there is an obesity epidemic um, alongside with uh, the oils that they use with processed food consumption with there's many other factors, but when you start messing around with food chemistry, like they legit are chemists making these processed foods. Like there's something that just, it doesn't sit right with me. And that's what I believe just because you can, you can like using whole foods, you can tell, like I ate this amount of calories. I expended this amount of energy based on what I track and I wake up leaner and tighter. But if you do that same thing, but with processed foods, I'm telling you, like outside of the water weight that you hold, if you do that day in and day out, you're going to get fatter and fatter and fatter, even if you take diuretics to get rid of the water that is holding on. So I might have a little different opinion on this topic. I don't think the, the type of oil necessarily is making us need to burn more calories to achieve it, but the more common we see these oils and stuff being added to foods that over time massively increases the amount of calories throughout the entire day. So like, well, if I, now I, we're adding. So, I mean, I think that it's not the, the oils, it's the oils being processed. So like whenever it gets heated at a certain degree and it's going through these machines, which no one, I mean, who's stepped in one of these manufacturing machines I've, or manufacturing facilities I never have. But you start mutating fat. So you mutate olive oil, good fat, and you can mutate it into a trans fat. That, so that's, that's what I'm saying. It's like, because it does take longer for your body to break down trans fat versus an omega-6 fat. That's what I believe. Yeah. Okay. That I'm not sure of, but I think the correlation yeah. between like more of these processed oils and weight gain, I think it's because what people used to, associate as calories like it's so easy to be consuming more overall calories and not feeling any hungry or fuller or anything like that yeah. like it's just it became way easier to get too many calories in it's so calorically yeah, dense yeah. yeah exactly i feel like that's a at least one aspect of it yeah yeah I, i'm so unsure about the whole food industry like it's it doesn't make sense. Anything that the government touches, like I immediately cringe and I'm just like, ah, I really can't believe you. And then if someone dives in there, all of a sudden they're like, oh, this FDA or USDA person has now been released or, <laughs> or they've been killed. <laughs> so I'm like, ah, 
I think I think I found your gimmick for you. You know, to build an online presence, you need some type of gimmick. Uh-huh. I think you should do all your videos with a tinfoil hat on. Uh, yeah, freaking food industry stuff. I think uh, Lane Norton has that because you saw the Anytime post about the, uh, the diet soda and increased testosterone or something. Uh, I might have missed it. Oh, yeah. no, I shared it. It's the one oh, yeah. I shared, right? Yeah, yeah I think I, I put it on my I saw it on his feed. Yeah. He, yeah, this, this one, the New York Post. Uh, yeah, he, my camera won't focus. But here's why you should never get your nutrition information from mainstream media or influencers. They only care about clickbait and headlines. The headline here is drinking Coke and Pepsi leads to larger testicles and more testosterone. So (laughs) that was the headline that drinking. Oh, yep. There it is. So (laughs) right there. Yeah. So can you click on that? (laughs) Yeah, dude, I'm telling you. Like something just doesn't sit right because the government has their hands in this. And then they're like, oh, hey, what do men want right now? Because of these like shrinking toads and stuff. It's like, oh, they need more testosterone. So it's like, like what better study to come out than this, right? And so it's like, uh, I, don't, I don't know, stuff like this. Dude, when he finds these things, I'm like, how do you, uh, how do you find these things? Like, I wish I could, like, I, people have to send it to him. But oh, that's what it is now because he's so notorious for going over this type of stuff. People send him stuff. I mean, I've even I've personally sent him some stuff, which I don't think he's ever viewed any of my messages. Just he gets so many messages and he has no idea who I am, so it makes sense. But yeah, there's definitely a lot of people sending him a lot of these things. Yeah. Anyways, all right. Um, been on for a little while and I got to eat my meals talking about food. Yeah, I'm about to go start my salmon right now, but this uh, is a good time. Any of your listeners, if they want us to know about anything or break down anything, send it to them. Yep. We can address these different topics. If you guys message us, like make us aware, like, we pay attention to a lot of stuff. I feel like more than most, but we're not going to see everything. If you want an opinion on something, at least make us aware of it. And we only address it to the people that typically we coach or we, you know, give advice to or consult. And so that's usually the ones who are like, we're going to talk to the most as far as like answering their questions. But yeah, if the public wants to uh, comment below, then that would be nice because I need to know what is happening out there and what to actually address. That's my biggest issue with making content. Like, I don't, I feel like what I'm interested in is a lot more in the weeds than what most people are interested in. Or I see something, I'm like, oh, everyone knows the answer to that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Everyone knows how to read a nutrition label. No, no, they don't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I got to get better at that. Yeah. All right, right. my man. Time to eat. uh, End it.